Welcome to TRS, Your Retirement in Focus. I'm your host, Everett Crockett. On today's show, ladies and gents, we'll have another outstanding guest joining us. We'll spend some time speaking with Mr. Danny Kofke of The Wealthy Teacher. After being an elementary school teacher for 18 years, Danny left the classroom to work with Mentoro, a financial wellness company. His love of teaching and personal finance led him to write five personal finance books, including The Wealthy Teacher, Lessons for Prospering on a School Teacher's Salary. Danny's everyday approach to handling money has led him to appear on numerous television shows, including Fox and Friends, The CBS Early Show, CNN's Newsroom, The 700 Club, and The Clark Howard Show. He has also been interviewed on over 600 radio shows and featured in a number of publications, including USA Today, Instructor Magazine, Yahoo.com, The Wall Street Journal, Money Magazine, and the AJC. He wants to show others that if he, a former school teacher, can do well financially, so can they. You can learn more about Danny at www.wealthyteacher.weebly.com. That's Weebly, W-E-E-B-L-Y.com. And without further ado, I'd like to welcome him to the show. Good morning, Danny. How are you today? Hey, Everett, good morning. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, it's truly an honor to have you on the show today. Are you and your family doing well? We are. We are. Can't complain now. I think uh, fall has finally come here to uh, to Atlanta. So, yes, all is right. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. Fall is my favorite season, without a doubt. It's got a lot of Fs in that in the fall season. There's food, family, and football. And uh, <laughs> for me, that's a win. Absolutely. Winner. <laughs> Absolutely. And it, it helps right now. The Braves are doing well, too. So it's all good. <laughs> yes, yeah, we're real nice around here. So, Danny, tell us about yourself. Yeah, so um, so as you mentioned, I was a school teacher for 18 years, taught mainly elementary. One year I taught sixth grade, but most of the time elementary, uh, kindergarten, pre-K, first grade. And, and a majority of my time was actually in a special education setting, um, a profound special needs classroom. So very kind of needy, like with wheelchairs, tube feeding, diapers, most of them did not talk. So I, I really enjoyed that, um, you know, definitely felt like most teachers had a calling to do that. But on the side, um, over the course of my teaching career, as you mentioned, I, I wrote a few personal finance books and just through various um, presentations, actually, and, and we'll get to it, I know, later on, but I'm, you know, presenting some with, with TRS and then just other other people I, I've done stuff with. It just a job opened up with my company now, Mentoro, and it's a financial wellness company. So it was one of those things, actually, um, it was around this time last year, I was still in the classroom and my last day of teaching was right before Halloween. And then I joined Mentoro full time. And I just felt, uh, you know, like, like teaching, I had a calling to do that. And the, the beauty is I'm still teaching. It's just uh, a different audience and a different subject, but uh, one that's really, really important and just kind of helping uh, adults do better managing their money and handling their finances better. And especially with the pandemic, what that's done to a lot of people, I think uh, there, there's no more important time than now for, for people to get a hold of their money and get their finances straight. Awesome. And I think that's a great point you made in following your calling. You felt like you had a calling. And even now your present calling, you're still teaching, but just in a different manner. So I think for all of us, we should definitely follow and find out and try to follow our life's calling. 
Absolutely. Most of us, we have this brief period down here and we all just, I mean, I think most of us at our core, we just want to feel like we're doing something that's helping others. And, you know, for me, obviously being a teacher helped others all the time, but now once again, I kind of get to help adults, but, uh, but just do better with money. And once again, it's just uh, so important. I agree. So tell us about the various roles you've had within and an approximation to the education system. Sure. So, um, you know, I started off as a first grade teacher. I did that, I think, for for five years. And actually, I've bounced around a little bit. So uh, I did a second grade class until that summer. And then actually, my wife, who's a school teacher as well, we moved in into Krakow, Poland. So we taught in an American international school for two years. So shortly after getting married, we went over there and lived abroad, traveled, visited like 11 countries. It was a great way to start our career. So if any teachers are out there listening about teaching overseas, I mean, it's a it was just probably one of the greatest experiences for us. And we learned so much. Uh, but then we came home after two years, wanted to have a family and everything. So then, you know, I had two kids along the way. And, and the cool thing is, you know, kind of with us is, is that Tracy was able, my wife was able to stay at home and raise our two daughters, Ava and Ella, and still living on my teacher's salary. So while she was doing that at that time, I was a kindergarten teacher. And then I transitioned into special ed and then pretty much did that for the remainder of my teaching career. And then once again, a couple of times, you know, I've left a couple of times here and there over the course of my, my career, but for the most part, it was kind of, you know, in the elementary setting, teaching special needs students. Wow. Well, we appreciate your, your sat, you and your wife, both your sacrifice to the students and um, the entire education system here in Georgia. What is the mission of the wealthy teacher and what was the reasoning behind creating that platform? Sure. Um, so, you know, there are studies and they vary you know, over the course of, of years, but there was one I read that just struck me. It was done by the NEA and it showed that like 50% of teachers were quitting the profession within five years. And that was partially due to low pay. And, you know, for me, I know what it is to be a teacher and it's a calling. Most of us don't get into it for the money. And if you're a teacher and got into it for the money, some college professor lied to you along the way, right? <laughs> um, so, uh, so, so I just wanted to show others, you know, you can do it. So kind of going back to our story. So after we moved home from Poland, at that time, we lived in Florida. So Tracy taught two years and then we had our first daughter, Ava. And then Tracy really wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. So she ended up being able to stay at home for eight years. And we added Ella a few years after Ava. So she didn't go back to work into teaching until Ella was in first grade. So stayed at home for eight years on my teacher's salary. And it ranged, you know, it was about 42000 to like $44,000 a year over the course of those eight years. But despite that, here we sit right now, we have no debt except our mortgage. We are on track for retirement. We have a more than one year emergency fund in place. But most importantly, we live wealthy lives on a moderate income. And you know, Tracy did go back to work full time, like I said, when Ella was in first grade. And she was teaching second grade. And Tracy's a great teacher, one teacher of the year numerous times. So she devotes a lot to it. And it was just over the course of those couple of years, it was just too much, um, you know, just the stress level. It was, and you teachers listening, I mean, I know I'm preaching to the choir. Um, it, it's, you know, it's, it's such a hard, sometimes a hard career with, with the time and energy invested. So after three years of teaching full time, I'm like, something's going to have to change here. So Tracy actually went back and started working part time as a technology coach at her school. And she did that for three years. So we basically took a 50% salary cut for her to do that. But once again, we were able to do so 
because our finances were in order. And, you know, and that's kind of my mission rate, it, it, not even just for teachers. And obviously that's who I'm speaking to on, on this podcast, but just anyone in general, it's like when you have your finances in order, then you're able to take advantage of opportunities that come your way or do what you feel you are supposed to do. And you don't really have to think about the income potential necessarily. So just one of those things that, um, you know, for, for me, I just want to show others if this school, former school teacher can do it, they can too. And, you know, for me, pretty much I am self-taught. Uh, I never, like most of us, ever took a finance class in my life, but mm-hmm. it was able to do so and figured it out. And that's kind of my main mission is just, you know what, if I can do it, you can do it as well. Mm, well said. Excellent information there. Are there things that you find common that TRS members have not thought about as they're preparing for retirement? Definitely. I listened to a podcast, your previous one to this one, I think, uh, with Dale Alexander, and he does a great job. He's one of my friends, and he does a great job explaining it with that the red wagon of you know, TRS is for, for people that don't understand the formula. And I know a lot of teachers don't. It is so wonderful, especially here in Georgia, such a solvent and just, I mean, it is such a benefit. And Dale does a good job explaining it. Basically, if you teach 30 years in Georgia, it's almost like you're retiring with a million dollars in the bank. I mean, it's just the way it works. The formula for TRS is just, it's so, it's remarkable. So I think as a teacher, especially beginning teachers out there, it can be really difficult. Uh, you know, you graduate college and you start teaching and, you know, the average teacher salary, maybe about $39,000, $40,000 a year. So you have your friend that maybe majored in something else and they're starting off at sixty, sixty. Five thousand a year, and you're like, what am I doing? What am I thinking? But you have to really consider that TRS benefit that you get. So that's it's so huge for teachers to understand that. And I know a lot because you know it's with everything that's on our plates with lesson plans and kids and homework and all these things. It's very easy to overlook and not understand it. But I would encourage everyone listening. Log onto that TRS site. If you have not set up an account yet, set up that account and then just, you know, make sure you get your 10 years so you're vested for sure. So you have some sort of pension because let's face it, most companies that used to be, you know, 80, 90 percent of companies in the 80s offered some sort of, of defined pension when people retired. Now, I think that number is down to about eight, nine percent. So it's one of those things that. You know, when when you have that TRS benefit in retirement and then you throw in some Social Security if you're in a county that pays into it and then you have a little 403B, 457 savings in that supplemental retirement account, a lot of times as a teacher, you can retire and have more money than you did when you were teaching. And the TRS, I mean, that plays a huge role in that. That's correct, Danny. And in my opinion, Dale Alexander had what I believe was one of the best interviews we've ever had on our podcast. And I actually anticipate that being the same that can be stated about you in your interview once it is posted as well. Good. Yeah. He's a wealth of knowledge. And it's just, I I do, I agree. Like I've I've seen his video before with the little red wagon and I know um, TRS has played it before a couple of the presentations and it just, it's very eye opening. And I think every teacher should see that, especially beginning teachers, because once again, it can be hard at first when you're like, Oh, I'm really not making that much. But understanding that formula and that benefit, uh, it, it just shows, man, we have something really good that a lot of people don't. Now, Danny, a moment ago, you mentioned that just like all of us, teachers are very busy. There's, there's lessons, lesson plans and there's homework and a multitude of things we have to do. But what would you say to a teacher who says they just don't have time to do all of this financial planning? 
Oh, I mean, I know it's hard uh, when we're juggling so many things and I completely get it. The thing is, you don't have to spend too much time doing so. I mean, when it, if you're just starting off, you know, the, the basics with the budgeting and, and creating a spending plan and those types of things, that may take a little time to set up. But once you have it in place, then it can kind of be automatic. But when it comes to the financial planning aspect, that really, especially once again with the TRS, when you just kind of know that formula, 2% a year, your highest two paid year. I mean, it, it's just, it's not that hard to figure out. But I once again encourage people, go on the TRS website, log in and create an account. So maybe just check it once a year during the summer, put it on your calendar, you know, maybe the middle of June when, when most of us are off not teaching, just spend an hour or so going over that and maybe your social security benefits page. So it doesn't have to be that difficult. And then, you know, when it comes to a supplemental savings, a, a most school districts, they have those 403B plans and a popular thing right now for many teachers and, and, you know, others as well to invest in is what's known as a target date fund. So that's one thing as an investment vehicle, you kind of set it and forget. You invest, say you want to retire in 2040, do a 2040 target date fund. And you know, every year as it gets closer to 2040, that is the mutual funds automatically going to reallocate every single year. So you're exposed to less risk as you get closer to retirement. So, you know, for me, I know there's some that like to have a lot of appetite and they want to be involved and that's great. But if you are one of those that, you know, you got lesson plans, you got to get the kids the basketball practice, you got to make dinner, all those things. And you find this to be too difficult. There are some some ways to make it easier for yourself where once again, you can kind of just set it up one time and let it ride and maybe just review once a year to make it easier on yourself. Absolutely. And I, I think it's very important to note also, I know like I have tons of stuff to do and I used to struggle with trying to remember to do this, remember to do that. But with the technology and the phones we have and the computers we have, I set it on my calendar. And like you said, mm -hmm. teachers could, could set some appointment reminder or calendar reminder once a year in June to just take a look at their accounts and see what's going on out there. And I'm, that would be time well spent. And so I'm glad you brought that up. Excellently said. Sure. I mean, you'd have to remember, I mean, it's your retirement that we're talking about, or it's your financial picture. I mean, your, your financial wellness journey. So it's important to you. It's one of those things that it's going to give you a lot of options in life when your finances are straight. So, you know, to me, it's just, just, you're correct. Set that calendar invite and, and set yourself up for success. So once again, maybe set it during the summer months when you know you don't have to do the lesson plans and, and those types of things and take an hour or two. It doesn't have to be overly complicated, just, you know, it's good just to have some knowledge of it. And then, you know, a lot of times over time you realize, Hey, I kind of want to do a little bit more. I want to learn a little bit, a little more. And then you kind of keep going, but if you haven't ever done it, just start at square one and just make it as easy on yourself as possible. I concur. Well, as we're talking about planning, what tools do you use to make budgeting and financial planning easier? It's a great question. Um, I'm a pretty simple man, Everett. So uh, I don't get very complicated. I know some use elaborate spreadsheets, Excels and all that. You know, for me, especially with the budget, it's just basic. I still am like a pen and paper kind of guy. And that just makes it easier for me. And the bottom line with, you know, creating a budget, uh, you know, spend less than you earn. I mean, it's pretty easy on paper. I mean, it, if you spent less than you earned, you'd have money, right? But I know, I mean, right now it's something like 40, 50% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. So I know it's easier said than done. I get that. But, you know, for me, it's just ha knowing exactly how my money is being spent. So when Tracy and I first got married 21 years ago, we spent, it was usually like our first month, two months, 
And this was hard, uh, but we wrote down everything we spent. And, you know, that was before an iPhone. Just couldn't even track it on the iPhone. Life, <laughs> life existed before the iPhone. Imagine that. Um, but, uh, but we wrote it down. And then at the end of the month, we were able to analyze where our money was going. And I think for many, especially teachers, beginning teachers for sure, let's face it, we're not making a large salary. So it is important to know where every dime is going. And then when you analyze your budget at the end of the month, you can say, oh, you know, we bought Starbucks 10 times this month, or we went to the moon or whatever it may be in your budget. And then you can eliminate certain things. And then once you have hold of a budget, then that's when we created a spending plan. So we came up with a plan before the next month began and we earmarked every single dollar where it was going. So, you know, it took a little time and you're gonna mess up a little bit and that's okay. But for us, that really, really helped. And then to kind of take it a little further, and we still do this right now with discretionary income. For many people, it's harder to part with cash than it is to, to insert a card and let a chip reader read it. There's an emotional attachment to the green stuff. So every month with our discretionary income, our entertainment, you know, going out time of money, I go to the ATM and I pull out a set amount of money before the month begins. And that is our spending money for the month. So if we run out, you know, right now it's end of September. If we didn't have any money left, you know what? We're not eating dinner out. That's not, we, we've already gone through it. But we also reward ourselves, too, that a lot of times we do have leftover money in there. I'll just put that in the vacation fund. And then when we go on vacation, we have more to spend. So that just helps me. And it's one of those things that money, if I do go through it all, that's OK. That's our money. That's geared towards entertainment. So I just kind of give myself that just because a lot of times, once again, it's very easy to, to insert a, a card into a chip reader, swipe a piece of plastic. And we don't really think about it. But a lot of times it's very difficult to part with those green things because we know how early we got up. We know how, you know, how hard we worked at lesson plans, how hard our job was. So sometimes we just it gives us pause to spend them more so than it does just inserting a, a credit card. That is excellent advice. And I know for the listeners of this show, I know they've heard me say this more than one time, but I have a very emotional relationship with my cash. I, <laughs> I don't like to part with my greenbacks either. But So that's well stated. Well stated. Yes. Yes. Uh, Abraham Lincoln and George Washington are friends, right? We don't want to let them go. <laughs> Absolutely. The pandemic has presented a unique set of challenges to many families. What advice would you give during this season that might be different than seasons before? Uh, that's a wonderful question. Um, you know, before when I was trying to help, when I would give advice, especially when it comes to like having that emergency fund and a lot of financial professionals as well, it was kind of like you want three to six months worth of living expenses in a savings account. And this may be tough at first to get to, but now I'm kind of upping that to, to one year. And I know for many of your listeners, that's not going to happen overnight. And you may think, oh, how am I going to do this? But if you diligently set aside money every single month, put it in that savings account, then you have margin. And it's so important to have margin in life. Uh, you know, you think, what, 20 months ago, not many of us had ever heard of Wuhan, China. And you think, you know, a, a bat from there shut down the entire world's economy. So there are so many things that are, that are out of our control that we cannot control. Setting aside money in a, an emergency fund is something that we can control. So for me, it's just important to have that buffer. And I know teachers, 
most of us were not affected during the pandemic. Luckily, uh, didn't lose you know jobs. Not many places had furloughs, so wonderful. But I'll say here in my county, years ago during the housing crisis, this is when Tracy was staying at home. We actually had like it was ten furlough days because the economy knows that, and it was just housing was down and everything. So there was that that was out of my control. Nothing I could do about that. The only thing I could control is how much I had in my savings account to have margin in my life to to take care of things when, when you know emergencies, catastrophes happen, and especially things are out of my control. So you know, for me, that is probably the biggest change that when I talk to people now is like save, try to aim for one year worth of living expenses. Because even as teachers, most of us, we have pretty secure jobs. It's not like in the corporate world where, you know, you you can get laid off at a moment's notice, but cutbacks happen. Things happen in life. And then in addition, not just from a job point of view, but, you know, if you have kids, they're probably going to break something, (laughs) rather in your Mm -hmm. house or a bone, right? If you live in a house long enough, the roof is going to leak. Uh, and you're going to have to help pay up to that deductible of your homeowner's insurance. If you drive a car long enough, you're going to have to replace the tires. So a lot of people, it's just like, oh, bad luck just happens. And I just know. No. I mean, it's called life. It happens to all of us. So to me, being prepared and having a, an ample emergency fund in place can turn what could be a really big catastrophe into an inconvenience instead. I don't think it can be overstated enough how important it is, as you said, to have that savings. I know prior to the pandemic, I never really thought about the what ifs of life and how they might affect my job or my life or my career or or anything for that matter. But the pandemic really changed all of that for me. And I know even as of today, people are still struggling to recover and being greatly affected by it. So that's a good point you make. Having savings to some degree is very important. And the pandemic has shown us that for sure. Absolutely. Yep. And, and, you know, we're almost hopefully we're kind of trending, I think, hopefully, I guess, depending on where we are out of this at some point. But I mean, the next the next major thing, emergency is just around the corner and we may not even know what it is. So and, and you know, to, to kind of end on that point, I've never heard someone say, I wish I didn't have that much money in my bank account. I mean, never. So it's one of those things that, you know, and if you feel that way I'll, at the end, I'll give you my uh, my email address and you can send me some money if you feel that way. Right. Um, so it's just one of those things. It, it, for me, it just helps me sleep better at night, knowing that we're taken care of if, you know, God forbid something really unforeseen happens. Mm-hmm, for sure. For sure. Well, you've presented at a number of TRS's mid-career half-day seminars to give our members a great deal of information around financial planning. Could you share one of your stories to give members a vivid picture of why planning is so important? Uh, Definitely. Um, And and this one, you know, this was a tough one for me Um, and and just talked about emergencies, things that happen in life. But a a few years ago, my dad, so I I remember I just started a new teaching job um, with a different county. It's the first week of school. Thursday afternoon, I'm driving home and you teachers know what it's like on a Thursday afternoon, the first week of school, right? It's like, oh, thank God it's almost Friday. I'm ready for a weekend because after having summer off, it's hard to get back at it. But I'm driving home and I, I get a call from my wife. And my dad had a stroke. Uh, so my my parents lived about a half mile away from us. And uh, just that summer, we I mean, two weeks prior, we were on family vacation. He's riding his bike. He was uh, 59 years old. So young, nothing, you know, so, you know, completely out of the blue. So um, ended up the stroke was at his brainstem. So just uh, they say something like usually like 10 percent of people that have it there survive. He did survive. But he went from being like you and I to confined to a wheelchair, uh, wearing briefs, 
had to be tube fed, couldn't eat. So any any physical need, anything, you know, he was dependent on on us to take care of. He couldn't even change the TV with a remote. I mean, it was just so in a blink of an eye. Um, so like I said, at that time I was teaching, and then I had one of those principles that was just probably one of the greatest principles I've ever had. And it got to be, he was in rehab a couple months, came home. We actually moved in with my mom and dad, sold her house just to help my mom uh, take care of him because she still had to work. So basically just juggling, um, you know, between Tracy, myself and my mom, were just juggling our schedules to try to help take care of him. My principal, I approached her. She let me uh, start working part-time, like right before Christmas break. So I went in from 7.30 to 10.30, and then I went home and I took care of my dad, took him to therapies. And then spring break, I decided, you know what, I'm going to resign from teaching the next school year, and I'm just going to be his caretaker. Um, unfortunately, he ended up passing that summer. So then, you know, I eventually got back into teaching. But I was able to do that because we had our financial house in order. And, you know, during that time, I, I mean, I lost money. So I didn't make anything lost money, but it was the wealthiest thing I've ever done in my life. You know, so I was able at the end of my dad's life to, to be there with him and to do those things. And, you know, for me, that solidified, okay, this is why it's really important to have savings in place. And we just discussed, you know, all these emergencies, this, uh, and I hope no one ever has to go through it. But, you know, once again, for me, I am so blessed that I was able to do that. So that's kind of one of the short stories I've sh shared um, at some of my presentations, just kind of, you know, looking at a bigger picture too, when you have that savings in place, it just, it gives you opportunities. And, you know, for me, I've had good opportunities. For instance, when I wrote my first book 15 years ago, it was the publishing industry was completely different at that time. So I had to pay two months worth of my salary up front to have a book published. And at that time, Tracy was a stay-at-home mom. So we prayed about it, talked about it, and felt it was a risk worth taking. Well, taking advantage of that opportunity, it led to four more books, to TV appearances, to me being on this podcast today because I was able to take advantage of an opportunity 15 years ago. So I think, you know, for me, those are some of the stories I try to share of the importance of money that, yes, we want to save for retirement. We want to save for emergencies, but also opportunities, whether, you know, for me with my dad, I mean, I, it wasn't necessarily a good opportunity. But once again, I am so blessed that I was able to do that, but also for opportunities to write a book for me, which enhanced my career, which led to things. So, you know, th those are a couple of things to, to, that I share just to show the importance of having that emergency fund and savings account. For sure. Important indeed. And I know on this podcast, we've said it on many episodes, but I'll ask you about it again. How important is it to start early? <laughs> so I, I've got a little story for you that this is going to show the importance, especially when it comes to investing. So we're just going to take, I'm going to take a look at two friends. So we're just going to call them John and Robert. Okay. We're going to say John got a head start on Robert and he began investing $2,000 a year for eight years. And he started when he was 19 years old. So we're going to say just kind of, we're going to say his investments average 12% growth per year. And I'm not going to, you know, can't predict the stock market or any of the future, but I'm just going to say that. Okay. 12% growth per year. After eight years, when he was 26 years old, he stopped contributing. So he said, no more, I'm not investing $2,000 a year anymore, but his investments still continued to grow. So in all, he and John invested $16,000. So now we're going to take a look at Robert. So Robert didn't begin to invest until he was 27, okay? But like his friend, he contributed $2,000 a year and averaged 12% growth on his investments. 
He did this until he turned 65. So he did it throughout his life. So he invested a total of $78,000. So we're going to say when they both turned 65, they decided it was time to, you know, to retire. And I know, you know, you're probably going to realize this might be a little trick question, but take a guess who would have more in their retirement account. John, who invested a total of $16,000 over eight years, or Robert, who invested a total of $78,000 over 39 years. So what do you think, Everett? I'm sure you know it's a trick question, but what do you think? Yes, I'm sure it is a trick question, but I'm going to say that John benefited greater in this particular scenario. As hard as it is believed, John's investment would outgrow Robert's by more than $700,000. Is that because of compound interest, right? And compound interest, I mean, even Einstein said it's it's the most magical thing on earth, right? Most powerful thing on earth is compound interest. Someone as smart as Einstein says it, I mean, it's gotta be. So that's the thing, just if you can start as early as possible and take advantage of compound interest. And basically for those that you don't know, compound interest, it's when you get paid interest on interest that's already been paid to you. And just kind of a brief example, let's just say you invested a thousand dollars and you earn 10% a year on that. So after year one, you're going to have $1,100, but then you earn 10% on $1,100. So then the next year, it's going to be what? $1,210. And then it just keeps compounding. And in fact, if you earn 10% a year on your investments after seven years, it will double. So in that case of $1,000, if you earn 10% a year after seven years, that thousand becomes 2,000. After seven more years, 4,000. Seven more years, 8,000 and so on. So it just kind of shows how important it is to invest. And when the earlier you can start, especially you beginning teachers, when you first get into teaching, go ahead and just set up your retirement account, that supplemental retirement account before you get used to that money coming in. And you can start off. I mean, if you just want to start off at $100 a month or 2%, 3% of your salary, then do so. But to me, just get in the habit of, of doing so at a young age. And I will say there are some school districts in the state, and you may be in one, that actually offer some sort of match. A lot of 403B plans don't, but I know some school districts do. So if you get a match, a free match, if you don't take advantage of it, it's like you're throwing free money away. So definitely, if you are in a district that has a free match in the retirement account, make sure you take advantage of that. Wow. Well, you know, my next question was going to be, what would, would what would your message be to someone who's a first year teacher? But the points you've just made are excellent points to be made to those new teachers. But just in case you wanted to mm -hmm. share even more for first year teachers, would there be anything else there? No, I mean, just, you know, once again, set up that budget, set up, get some emergency funds set up, have money in a savings account. But then please take advantage of that. When you're young, 24, 25 years old, once again, the magic of a compound interest, the longer you can let it accumulate, the more you're going to have in retirement. And once again, using the formula, I mean, TRS, if you teach 30 years, and I know it's going to be tough for many of us to make it 30 years now, I get it. But as long as you can make it 10 years, 10 years, you get your vested in TRS. So at least then you're going to have 20% of your income coming in in retirement. So that will probably take care of the groceries when you retire. At least, you know, it's better than nothing. But if you can just start from the beginning and don't get used to living up to how much you make, then you can set money aside in your retirement and your savings to pay off that debt. But the, you know, the most important thing is learn to live on less than you make. Wow. I know I have other questions, but you reiterated, learn to live on less than you make. 
it just sticks with me. It sounds simple. I know it's tough to do, but with proper planning, guidance, information, it can be done. So I'm encouraged by that. So thanks. Well, sure. I mean, and we'll look at it. Yes, it can be tough, but the beauty of of handling our money and doing well with it, 90% of it is based on behavior. A lot of people make it complicated. Oh, we got to do this. But once again, spend less than you earn. And it holds true no matter how much you make, whether it's $10,000 a year, $100,000 a year, or a million dollars a year. If you spend more money than you have coming in, you're going to be broke. I mean, I can point out some celebrities. You have people like MC Hammer. You have people like Cindy Lauper, Willie Nelson. I mean, these are people, celebrities that made a lot of money and all of them filed bankruptcy because at some point they spent more than they earned, even though they had a lot of money coming in. So that it's just so important to do that, especially at the beginning. And the cool thing about being a teacher is usually over time, not every single year you get a raise, but a lot of years, especially when they adjust the cost of living in most counties, you do get a little bump almost every year. So if you can learn to live off of less from that starting salary, then you're just setting yourself up to have financial success throughout your career when your income starts going up. Absolutely. So Danny, where can our members find your content to further educate themselves? So if you want to find out more about me, you can go to my website, like you mentioned before, wealthyteacher.weebly.com. And I know teachers are familiar with Weebly. And once again, to go as a teacher, when you sign up with Weebly, it's a free website. So that's why I did it. So I don't have to pay anything for it. So there you go. Um, <laughs> But that's one area. And then I mentioned I'm with a, a financial wellness group. So that is Mentoro. So our website is mentorogroup.com. And on that website, we have some access to free ebooks. Um, we're actually starting a podcast of our own. So just full of knowledge on that website as well. So either wealthyteacher.weebly.com or mentorogroup.com. Both those, uh, th- those places you can find out more about me. Wow. Outstanding. Well, before we let you go, Danny, are there any parting thoughts or advice that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, definitely. First off, most of you listening are teachers. So thank you. Thank you for choosing a career that you're making a difference. And, you know, I've been in the trenches with you, so I know how tough it is. My wife is still a teacher. So, you know, I still live it every day. I know struggles can be tough. I know teaching and nowadays, especially with you know, the pandemic, and there's a lot more things going on than there were 20 years ago. So thank you for choosing to make a difference. And, you know, for me, I just hope that I've been able to share a little bit of my story to show you that if I can do it, you can do it. I've never taken a finance class in my life, right? Self-taught, just did that over time. So I just want to inspire you and encourage you. I don't want you to leave a profession that you feel passionate about because of the money. And let's face it, I mean, I think teachers obviously should get paid more. I I think everyone agrees with that. But uh, you can make it on your teacher's salary. And you can, in fact, do well on a teacher's salary. So I just hope my advice can help you and let you continue in a career that you feel called to do. Excellent. Danny, I really appreciate you taking the time to empower and educate us, me and my listeners today. And without a doubt, we're all better informed as a result. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on, Everett. Hope I'm able to help. And I think it was a a great interview. So thank you. I agree. And ladies and gentlemen, what I take away from this, and hopefully you can do the same, is to get our debt under control, other than our mortgages maybe, and to have some savings of some degree, preferably about a year's worth. So if we can do that, I think we'll all be in better positions as we go about it. Once again, thank you for joining TRS, Your Retirement in Focus. Mm -hmm.